Hello and welcome to the Everything's Black Mike podcast. We're here for the match preview against Arsenal with myself, Newcastle United editor Aaron Stokes. And I'm joined, as usual, by John Gibson. Now, we've just been having a little talk off air, John. And I know that this is the match preview ahead of the weekend at Arsenal, yeah. but it would be very, very rude not to talk about Manchester United the other night, given the manner of the performance, given the fact that Newcastle United are through to the next round. And not only are they through, they've walked through a Manchester United team with their B team. Some would say even elements of their C team in there. Yeah. I mean, some evening at Old Trafford, wasn't it, John? Oh, it was quite incredible because I've lived through all the disasters of, of Old Trafford. I mean, I was there in 1972 when the Supermac team, having just lost to Hereford, non-league side in the FA Cup the previous week, beat Bobby Charlton, Dennis Law, uh, and the great Manchester United side. And since then, we've only won once. When Kabai got the winner, we've only won once in, in 50 years uh, against Manchester United. It is one of our doomed grounds. And this was superb. And when you look at the team that we put out, I mean, a reserve goalkeeper who had never started a game this season, the back four were four fullbacks, hmm. and and Kraft hadn't played for fourteen months. Dummett is we almost forget he's there, bless him, uh, and the two kids. Willock was his first start in midfield. We played without the centre forward completely, a false number nine, and from the first minute to the last, we took them apart. They were sensational. I mean, I don't know that I've been as startled this season apart from Paris Saint Germain where I was startled that it was 4-1. Even the eight at Sheffield United was more was less eyebrow-raising than what yeah. happened at Manchester United. It was quite unbelievable. It was so thoroughly deserved. Um, and, it, you know, this was a game, Aaron, between two United. So only one was and one wasn't. Because if ever there was a difference, what Howes created at Newcastle and what Ten Hogs failed to create at Manchester United, is absolutely unbelievable. I mean, I've said this in passing in copy, but when I look at Den Hag, I, I see Gordon Lee, the old Newcastle United manager, who came to Newcastle and split the dressing room. He was either loved or hated. And I think Den Hag split the dressing room with Man U. I mean, uh, Lee sold Supermark and Terry Hibbert, the maker of goals and the scorer of goals, split the club and then left. And Den Hogg split this club. Uh, the, the people like he falls out with top names, people like I hate him, I love him. But that's enough of them. We don't care about them. That's their problem. It's lovely for us not to have a problem. And you know what? You could put that reserve side out, because that's what it was. You mm. could put that reserve side out against Arsenal and justify doing it. Selecting it, I mean, because the individuals played so well. Of course that won't happen. Uh, <laughs> Eddie loves his tried and trusted, and he'll go back to his tried and trusted. But, I mean, if if you're Liverpool, if you're Hall, if you're Joe Willick, you're saying, leave me out after that performance. Dare you? Because it was that good. Absolutely right. And I think, you know, we've just talked about Ten Hag there. And I think if this was a Manchester United podcast, we'd be talking about a manager probably on borrowed time. Instead, we're going to be talking about a manager who's got so much credit in the bank in Eddie Howe that he could probably retire now if he wanted to. He's, oh. he's really, really at the top of this game. Now, one criticism of Eddie Howe 
recently has been his his reluctance to use Livermento, his reluctance to use any uh, Lewis Hall after huge outlays. I mean, you know, these yes, they're youngsters, yes, they're for the future, but they cost a pretty penny. They the two of them make up fifty percent of Newcastle's summer transfer business. And when you've got Sandro Tonali and Harvey Barnes both injured, they're the only players that you've really got from the summer. Yes, absolutely. Now, Livermento, man of the match against Manchester City, kept Jack Grealish quiet all night. He's somehow gone and topped that um, at Manchester United. Lewis Hall scoring his first goal as well. I mean, if you're Kieran Trippier and Dan Byrne now, you are thinking, okay, Oh. There is now, yes, they're tried and trusted. Yes, Eddie Howe loves them, but they have got massive competition breathing down their neck. Now. Oh, there's no question. And ironically, I mean, I've got to try to keep a sense of proportion. Kieran Trippier has been sensational. But his last two games for us, he's been a bit off, off. You know, his passing's been sloppy. He's been caught positionally a couple of times, but he's been sensational. Dan Byrne has defied all the odds because he's not built or made or created by God to be a left-back. He's an out-out centre-half. His very bill tells you that. But he has done sensational under the circumstances. But the last couple of games, our two full-backs have been taken. Trippier and Byrne have been taken and there have been a slight problem. These yeah. two kids are sensational. And they're not kids. Forget that. Take the birth certificate, tear it up and throw it out the window. Make it confetti. It doesn't matter. Let your eyes do the judgment. And these two kids are colossal. I mean, Levermenko, I mean, what is he? A right back, a right side wing off, a right winger. He's all those three in one. I mean, his surging run on our first goal, to, to have the courage, the ability, the confidence to go on that run and then wait the pass so beautifully in for, for Almiron. I mean, the weight of the... It wasn't a full-backs pass. That was a winger's pass when, when he played the ball in for the goal. Superb. And yet, it wasn't a one-off. He played the whole match like that. Now, Hall was taking the ball under pressure and seemed to have that extra split second to do things. He never got flustered like mm -hmm. kids can do. He, he had that time. And what a strike for his goal, by the way. And what a wonderful moment for him because he's grown up as a Newcastle United supporter, mm -hmm. although he wasn't born here because of that. So what a wonderful moment for him. Now, when you look at how the fact that Burn is not a left back and Trippier, that's a different ball game. But these two guys, how long do, do you bury Lefemenko again and never see him again till we play at Chelsea in the quarterfinals? I mean, it, it takes some doing. If you pick on current form, both your fullbacks would play against Arsenal because also Trips and Burn in the last two games haven't looked at all up to, up to scratch. I mean, Trippier... His, his standards are so high, he, you know, I had a blink to make certain it was Trips that was playing when the ball was given away under no pressure, etc., mm -hmm. etc., because that isn't Trips. And it's awful to even be considering dropping Trips in some ways because he's earned that much kudos in the bank. But you look at this kid, Livermanko, and, and, and to a certain extent, Hall, and you think, how do you keep them out? Now, one way is if... if getting Livermento on the team is doing what Supermac always bangs on about and that's playing Trippier left back where he played for England uh, but 
I mean, I, I actually think Eddie will go back to trips and burn, you know, because that's what he does. And he'll go back in midfield to to Longstaff, Bruno and Joe Linton, because that's what he does. But if you put Willock is in the right and the two fullbacks are in the right. Wonderful position to be in, by the way, because uh, Eddie could pick any 22 against Arsenal and be justified. Den Hogg can't run... Uh, Russell together 11 to play against Fulham and, and be certain that they, they'll not let him down, which manager would you rather be? Yeah, very true. You're absolutely spot on with that. I think Lewis Hall especially, I mean, Livermento, we, we know his talent. We know what he's done at Southampton. He was very, very highly rated at Chelsea as well. Lewis Hall, slightly different in the fact that there's probably not as much known about him. Yeah, he obviously he played against Manchester City, and while Livermento took all the plaudits, he was hauled off at half time. You know, through no fault of his own, he was probably you know he was playing left midfield, he was playing centre midfield. He probably didn't know where he was actually meant to be. This time around, though, completely different. You've been banging the drum in recent weeks about you know is Dan Byrne a natural left back? Is it time to maybe move him out? Do you think we'll start to see more of Lewis Hall now in the league after that performance? I hope so. I hope so because he is. A left back. I know. I know. Before people jump on me, he was a he was a midfielder at Chelsea in in his exceptionally young days. But he's an actual left back. He can defend. He can get forward. It's his position. It's not Dan's position. I couldn't pay Dan a bigger compliment than say it's not his position, because the job he's done, the length of time he's held the left back position, he's often some things well to do that. But he isn't comfortable there. I think we've all seen that. With you know, with the greatest will in the world, he's not comfortable there. He doesn't break forward in the way that Hall breaks forward because it's not natural. Quite in me, it takes you ten minutes to get those long legs going, doesn't it? To run up the wing. I mean it is it is asking a lot. Hall is the future of, of Newcastle, but the future can't be held off for always, it, it's, he's got to go in. And Byrne must be more vulnerable than Trips in, as a fullback, more vulnerable to losing his place because it's not his natural position. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he should be saying, in lots of cases, by the way, I should be your left-sided centre-half when Botman's not available because that's my position and that's what I do well and I should be playing there. You shouldn't be moving Shaw across and bringing Lascelles in. That's where he should be competing rather than out there. And I'm looking... I mean, I'm just looking for these two boys to very quickly move into Newcastle situation because they've also got to be given some sort of encouragement. I mean, neither have really been getting on for significant minutes as mm-hmm. such. And and they are too good to hold back indefinitely. I mean, you know, because you don't want the boys going home and thinking, well, I know why I came to Newcastle, but why did I? I'm mm-hmm. not getting a, 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 a trance. And when I get me trance, sh- you know, Levin Mancombe was, well, surely I've took it against Man City and against Man United, surely I've taken my chance and said, here I am, you've, you've got to play me. Um, as I say, a wonderful position to be in, but um, the difficulty, I think, is Trippier. I mean, because Trippier is trips. Uh, he is the guy that does organises every set piece. He's the skipper, effectively. I know uh, Lascelles is and quite right that he should be respected but he is the skipper if you like mm-hmm. and he's a current England international who's playing terrific but 
the world waits for no man and um, Le Flamengo is tapping him on the shoulder and saying, hey, come on, you go and play on the other side. This is my position now. Um, great thing to be in. Difficult to know what you would do because I think every fan would probably do something different against Arsenal. I'd be so tempted to play both of them or, or at least Le Flamengo and move uh, trips across. But I think he might still go with the tried and trusted because he's a very loyal. I, I don't think Eddie likes the word loyal because he thinks it it, it indicates softness. Is it? He's not tough enough to make a decision. I think, but I think he is loyal in as much as if you do not let him down, he will stick by you. And I think that's the way he sees the senior people. And that's the problem the two fullbacks have got. And that's the problem Willock's got to try to get in there in that midfield three. Yeah, I think I think if you ask me now ahead of tomorrow's game, I think it's Trippier and Burn starting as you do, and I think Livermento can feel very, very aggrieved oh. by that, given he's put in two, he started two games and won two man of the match awards. He's been absolutely fantastic. Luckily, time is on their side, you know, for both Livermento and Holland. I will get their chance, especially with the amount of games this season. Now we, we've talked about Joe Willock a little bit, and I just want to spend a bit more time on him because. I mean, what a what a first start back for him he's had. He's had a really tough year because, you know, people may have forgotten, but before he got injured, he was banging on that door for an England call-up. He oh. was one of Newcastle's most informed players towards the back end of last season. Really horrible hamstring injury, which kept him out over the summer, and Achilles setback, which derailed his progress even further. I mean, he has just strolled back into that midfield as if he never left. He just looks... Yeah. So at home, and at a time when Newcastle United really need it, given Sandro Tonali's absence and the injuries that they've picked up, I mean, it probably isn't going to work like this because you know the injuries and suspensions and the amount of games. But there's now an argument to say Willick, when everyone's fit and firing, he deserves his place in that midfield three, doesn't he? Yeah, I mean the the, the one thing. The one extra thing Willock can bring to the table or bring to the Newcastle United first team is that he can finish. It's the one thing that Gordon doesn't do automatically. Mm -hmm. I mean, what a player he is. But he's not an automatic finisher. If there's one part of his game that's a 8 out of 10 instead of a 9.5 out of 10 with Gordon, it's his finishing. If there's one part of the game that's 9.5 out of 10 with Willock, it's his finishing. Um, mm. So he brings goals to the table, and that's very, very important. And I was thrilled from that he scored, and what a great! All the three goals were terrific strikes. Um, but I was thrilled from because that's what he needed to come back and say, "There you are. That's what I can do." Um, and therefore, you see, we're talking about Arsenal, but there's there's Borussia Dortmund to follow as quick as Tuesday. So who's to say that if Livermanko or Willick don't start on Saturday, that they won't start on Tuesday? Mm -hmm. Because it's a very quick turnaround. It's a very quick turnaround. And if spreading the load's the answer to, to all these problems, and haven't we done it magnificently, by the way, uh, in recent times? I mean, the Newcastle situation. I was just looking at the other day, Alan, because I was that amazed how comfortably we got the result of Man U. Let's look into our recent record. Since we lost three on the trot, where everybody was saying, and there was actually, I saw some paper put out a thing telling me what the betting was for Eddie Howe to be the next manager sacked, you know, after we lost three on the trot. It was absolutely absurd. 
I mean, mm-hmm. goodness gracious me, uh, ridiculous. Since those three were lost in all competitions, played 11, won seven, drawn three, lost one, that was against Dortmund, 27 goals scored and six conceded. What a record that is. And that is a record during all the injuries we've had. I mean, our our injury list is longer than the A1. And, and, and Target's back on it now uh, as well. I mean, in the not little knocks will be out on Saturday, but they'll play on Tuesday in Dortmund. These fellas are out for an edge. And on top of that, Tenali gets them. We've almost forgotten Tenali's there with the reserves that, that, that was sent out and, and, and the way Willock played. And then, you know, we've almost forgotten that Sandro is still part of this club. And that is an incredible record as we're going to Arsenal and the defiance that has been, you know, we've never mentioned, quite rightly, Kraft and Dummett. Good God, Kraft hasn't played for 14 months and Dummett is only wheeled out of the Hancock Museum when the League Cup games are brought up and he's stuck in the side, has a magnificent game. He played well against Man City. Then he's put back in the museum until the next round comes. Is he going to play at Wembley in the final in alongside Kraft in, in, in the two young fullbacks? Because they played out of, how do you drop them? How do you drop them in the League Cup when they get to the final? Uh, and by the way, they are trying to stop us getting the final. I, I wrote, and I mean it, it ought to awarded us the League Cup straight away and cancelled the competition after you knock out the European champions and the current holders. I mean, it, if you're not going to cancel a competition and give the cup to us, you at least should give us Port Vale at home and not <laughs> tell me away. I mean, good God. What, you, we've earned the cup three times over on this one. But I tell you what, Chelsea are just another Manchester United. A team full of big stars. They don't know their best eleven, and they're very beatable. Yeah, you go and duff them. Yeah, absolutely, there. There's people last year that said Newcastle did it the easy way. Yes, they had a lot of Premier League teams, but your Leicester, your Bournemouth, Southampton, yeah, you can get past them. This time around, oh. especially given that the teams that they've also drawn in Europe, you, nobody can accuse Newcastle United of doing it the easy way. It's a it's a group of death in Europe and the group of death in the League Cup for Newcastle. Exactly. Exactly, and they're doing it all with, with their reserves. And as, as you say, we haven't spoken about Kraft or Dummett, and I think that's very unfair, given, as you say, Emil Kraft, by the way, back from a really horrendous layoff, 14, 15 months on the sidelines, playing in a position that we haven't seen him play since Steve Bruce back in the day. I bet you Bruce was very, very glad to see Kraft there at centre-back on Wednesday. But Paul Dummett especially, as you say, two games this season, um, only played against Manchester United and Manchester City and, and has been absolutely phenomenal against both. We've heard from Eddie Howe this morning at his press conference that there was no Fabian Scher uh, on Wednesday night because he was a little bit under the weather. There's nothing to say that we won't see Lascelles and Dummett against Arsenal tomorrow. And I think if you'd have said that at the start of the season, you'd be thinking, well, there you go, write it off, we're going to get beat, we'll move on. Now you're thinking, bring it on. Yeah, I mean... Y- y- it, what Eddie Howe's done in producing a lot of players who looked bang average under Steve Bruce, or worse than bang average, I'm talking about uh, Kraft, I'm talking about Dummett, I'm talking about Almiron, I'm talking about Joe Linton, the centre-forward. They looked uh, bang average in the now-looking quality players playing for Newcastle United uh, in the first team and uh, doing a terrific job. And you know what? They 
amazing thing for me as well, Aaron, is that somehow Eddie Howe has maintained the spirit in them, the, the belief in them, the acceptance that they're no longer automatic first teamers. But we are sitting there, and when our chance comes, we'll have a heart the size of a frying pan, and we'll go out there and do the job for Newcastle. I mean, to keep that in players who normally become very disgruntled when they're not on the side, it's quite phenomenal. I mean, by Joe, what Manchester United would give for a manager that can do that currently in the dressing room. Um, it is all credit to the players themselves. I mean, also, not that he played particularly well, but he didn't leave us, he didn't let us down. Matt Ritchie, I mean, good God, he stands next to the dinosaur in the Hancock Museum, didn't he? And yet he comes out and plays in that game and he cares with a passion. He's running about like he did in the old days and snarling at people and doing everything that's a, you know, the, the team we put out there, a team of golden oldies or kids who weren't supposed to be ready yet, like the fullbacks. And look at the look at the performance. Yet you look at that team an hour before the kickoff, and I bet a few of the seven thousand who were down there thought, "Oh dear me, is this trip been worth making?" Because look at the side we've put in. Mm -hmm. And then later, three 0 and they're singing Jody Boys taking the Michael. Um, <laughs> wonderful. I mean, football is meant for days like this. This is why we join. This is why we're fans or writers or players or managers. Or... This is why we join. We join for days like Wednesday night. We don't join for the Ashley days. Absolutely. And I tell you what, I think there was a lot of fans down there in Manchester thinking, what is this team they've put out? And as you <laughs> saw it full time, it was, it was a different story. Now, obviously, look, we're over the moon. We all are. We've all got our feet off the ground. We're flying. You know, there's talk of going to Wembley and all this. But also come to St James's Park tomorrow, undefeated in the league. You know, they're probably going to go very, very close to the title again. What what should Newcastle fans be expecting? And what I mean by that is, you know, should they be going there and thinking, well, we've turned over City and United this season, let's go and turn over Arsenal? Do you think being a realist, keeping the feet back on the ground, what, what constitutes a good result on Saturday afternoon? Not being beaten. If Newcastle draw or win, that's a good result because this is, yes, let's lose uh, the madness of it all, uh, you know, the Newcastle reserves doing this, that and the other. This isn't Manchester United. This is Arsenal aren't in disarray. Arsenal aren't going to lie down. They're not going to be shouting at each other, accusing each other of, of not doing the job that should be done, etc., etc. There's not. This is going to be a, a united side. Manchester United weren't united. Arsenal are going to be united. And this is a side with ability, with a good young manager, even though he's a crackerjack on the side of the pitch. <laughs> I mean, he's a lunatic where Eddie Howe's the... English gentlemen with cool composure, any I mean, there are two contradictions completely, and I'm not against what Mikel does because it's working for Arsenal. Um, but the difference as well is that Arsenal are in a different position than Newcastle. Yes, they've come from back of the pile, if you like, to suddenly make the Champions League again and be in with a chance they weren't in the top four, top five season before last. Uh, but they're able to go out and bid a hundred million and sign Declan Rice, mm -hmm. a player Newcastle wanted. But we can't do that because of the financial fair play 
uh, situation. They are more advanced in their growth, and so they can go out and spend 100 million. So that's what we're up against, and we must remember that. They also spent 65 million on a Hertz, by the way, and that, what a poor signing that's been. The guy from mm -hmm. Chelsea gone in about all three paces. Having said that, he'll score a hat trick on Sunday because I've said it. <laughs> uh, but um, they are in a different position in terms of buying with the Declan Rice situation. But this is going to be a monumental challenge. There's absolutely no question about that. Uh, and yes, we have lost two home games against top, top, top sides this season, which is very unusual for us. Mm -hmm. That fluke against Liverpool, 11 against 10, we're in the home straight. We did a Devon Lock, which you won't know what I'm talking about, being a young man. But he, it's a horse that went all the way around the Grand National course twice and then was running up to the post with no more jumps left and fell flat on his backside. <laughs> um, and, you know, how we did that against Liverpool, sub comes on, scores two, and they're man down. And then we lost to Borussia Dortmund. It happens. These things happen. But we don't want it to happen again against Arsenal. And this will be a challenge. It'll be a wonderful match for the neutral. It will be a big, big challenge for Newcastle. This Arsenal side is not Manchester United. Uh, that's for certain. But we are well up for this. And if you look at results, one defeat in the last 11, seven games won. Arsenal won't be coming here thinking it's easy. And as long as we don't think it's easy, either the crowd or the players, so they both are up for the fight, the crowd's up to support Newcastle for an hour and a half and the players know what they've got on their hands, then it will be some some game without a shadow of it. And do you think, even though it's it's Arsenal, as we say, who are undefeated and who, you know, inflicted a quite a rare defeat on Newcastle when they last came to St James's yes. um in in April or May, they also obviously Newcastle went down there and got a draw around the new year. Do you think Newcastle United and how will will view it as any other game at St James's Park and it'll be not gung-ho, but it'll be very much front foot? Or do you think this is a new Arsenal, you know, whereas a couple of years ago, they were they, they looked beatable. They looked like they had a soft underbelly. Now, they're looking, you know, I'm not going to say they're looking like champions, but they're looking a lot more like, you know, a real challenge. They will challenge for it, Aaron. There's no question about that. They're in a better position to sustain a challenge this season than they were last season when they tapered away very badly in the end after giving a good run at Manchester City. Declan Rice was brought in partly to, to get rid of that soft underbelly because he hasn't got that, by the way. He's bang, bang, bang in at it and, and they've got rid of that soft underbelly. Um, and there will be a, a great challenge. But we are at our best when we play on the front foot. That is not to say gung-ho. There's a heck of a difference between playing on the front foot and being gung-ho. Being gung-ho means like when you were a little lad in the schoolyard and all 12 of you in your side just run after the ball, wherever the ball is, and just run willy-nilly. That's gung-ho. This isn't. It, this is organised. This is pressing high up the park. This is front foot football. And Newcastle are the best. They defend better when they're on the front foot. You know, you don't want to throw the ball to an opposition of the quality of Arsenal and say, you can have that for an hour and a half because we are going to keep you out. Because one slip and you don't keep them out. We are better playing at a good tempo, 
on the front foot. And I think that's what Eddie Howe will be looking for us to do. From the kickoff, let's establish the way we play from the kickoff. Let's not grow into this game. I'm not, I don't like this business. Let us grow into the game. No, you don't. You set the tempo yourself from the kickoff. You set the tempo. That gives them something to think about. You say you're grown in the game means, oh, we'll try to hang on early doors. And if we reach halfway, if we reach uh, 30 minutes and we're still not, not, we'll think about attacking. That's not Newcastle United's way. And that is not the best way to get a result on Saturday. And, and I also think just on that point that we saw, you know, two very, very different atmospheres in the Champions League at St. James's Park. PSG, they scored early, they were on the front foot, they didn't let PSG get in the game and the atmosphere as a result was fantastic. They probably tried to grow in the game more against Dortmund and I think everybody will will admit the Dortmund atmosphere was pretty poor for a Champions League game. Yes, it was. So I think what we've seen so far this season at home is that Newcastle really need to be on it from the early doors to get the crowd into it, don't they? I mean, that that's exactly the point we've been making. Our Newcastle are at their best when they set the pace of the game, they set the tone of the game. That shocked Paris Saint-Germain. Now, if we play front foot against Arsenal, they'll be looking at each other and think, Craigie, we've got a game on my hands here. But if we throw them the ball and say, we'll keep you out, and then we'll start hitting you on the counter later mm-hmm. in the game, then Arsenal will grow will grow in stature instead of us. And our crowd will be flatter then, then I mean, our crowd was magnificent against Paris and Germain because it, our 7,000 were magnificent against Manchester United. Why? Because we got at them straight yeah. away. We got at them straight away. And that's a we play at our best when we do that. And um, I, we must not give Arsenal any encouragement whatsoever on Saturday. And the best way of doing that is to be, it's almost a contradiction, be, be coolly front foot, not gung-ho with a head that's raging and let's charge them and you find you're cut to ribbons after 20 minutes and you're two down. Let's be front foot. That's the way Newcastle play best. And our the players we've got and the pace we've got uh, with Gordon and with Almiron, etc., etc., we're best as a front foot team. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think that is that is the key tomorrow, isn't it? Making sure that they don't let Arsenal have it all their own way. Now, John, we spoke about this at the very top of the show and you sort of alluded to what you think will happen. But there's so many questions about that team tomorrow. Yeah. You know, so many and even though, you know, Newcastle are struggling really, really with a lengthy list of injuries, there's still a couple of question marks as to who starts. Now for you. What do you want to see? Do you want to see Trippier and Burns starting in, or Livermento and Hall? Or didn't, what do you want to see up front? I'm guessing Wilson comes back in. There isn't really much choice but to keep Miggy out on the right. What what for you is the team that house starts tomorrow? Well, I mean, the, the, the fun thing is that we know Pope starts in goal and Callum Wilson plays centre-forward. After that, you can throw the names in a hat and pull them out and say who plays where. <coughs> um, and by the way... That's nothing against Dubrovka or Gordon playing a false nine because didn't they both do it well? But Pope plays, of course. Um, and, I th- and, and Lascelles and Shaw play at the centre of the defence, of course. Um, and Bruno and Longstaff play in midfield, of course. And Wilson plays up front with Almeron and Gordon, 
of course then we come to the real questions the two full backs and does Willock start in in the middle of the field and I've got an awful feeling that he'll just go back to what he normally plays I mean I would be tempted to play Liverman well not tempted I would play him uh, but I would be very reluctant to drop trips and for the one-off game I would therefore play trips left back um, and that's nothing against Hall mm-hmm. it's not it's just how do you not put the infectious ability of Trippier on the bench yeah. uh, when he's fit. I think he's got to get in. But Levermanko, I mean, he's, he's only a couple of inches ahead of Hall, but it's a significant couple of inches. Uh, you know, how do you leave? The way he's played against the two Manchesters, mm-hmm. I mean, he, he can he will go home and say to himself, well, what more can I? I can't do any more than that mm-hmm. because I've been terrific. I've got, wait a minute, what's those two things on the mantelpiece? Oh, the two man of the match awards. So, you know, what else can you do? Um, so I would be tempted to play him. Uh, I'd be more than tempted, I would play him. And I just think Joe Willick, because he's not played much recently, well, in fact, from last season, I think, how does he, how does uh, Eddie Howe? Leave out either Longstaff, Bruno, or Joe Linton, and I think he won't. I think he'll bring Willock on, and then goodness knows what you do on Tuesday. Willock could start, do the fullback could start uh, on Tuesday because it's very quickly after that. Well, I, I'm going to make a bold shout because I, I I pretty much agree with you, but I actually think that the the one change to your team is I I wouldn't be surprised to see a midfield three of Bruno Longstaff and Joe Linton. But then Joe Willock actually started on the left because I think Anthony Gordon is probably the one player in that team that needs a rest. You know, I he had the luxury he had the luxury of resting Wilson on on Wednesday, but that meant he had to play Gordon up top because he didn't have another option. And I just think, given the amount of games Gordon's had, I wouldn't be surprised if he drops out. But I am with you. I think otherwise it's back to what we know. And and I, I, I hate think- to say it, but I think we're going to see Tino Livermento on the bench tomorrow. Yeah. Um, those two. I think that's a terrific shout of yours, Aaron, about um, about giving Gordon a rest because he has been relentless. He yeah. plays relentlessly. I get exhausted just watching him. <laughs> he runs about that much. I get exhausted sitting there watching the way he plays. He has never had a rest during all this because he's been the star man and we've been without so many players and Harvey Barnes hasn't been there, etc., etc., this would be a game to do that. You can then play Willick left side of a centre three or and put Joe Linton outside left, or you can yeah. switch Joe Linton and Willick. And and it would and Willick would love to start against Arsenal. So uh, I mean that is the only one I think's a possibility. Though I often think Eddie listens to all our podcasts, you know, and goes home and says, Right, I'm gonna fool these so and so's. You know, when he and then all of a sudden Murphy, when he was fit, was in the side and somebody else was is is He's got this great ability of producing one player. Nobody expects, like all of a sudden, Emil Kraft's playing right side of in the back four or something. He does that. And you know what? It works. So, Eddie, my son, whatever you want to do, you just do it and we'll back you and we'll watch on Saturday and we'll get a result. But um, you never know what's going to happen because there's also the spreading of the load. Dortmund's very, very quick. Yeah. After this, and I don't think 
it'll be an unchanged team at Dortmund. Whatever team starts against Arsenal will not start against Dortmund. Mm -hmm. Somebody somewhere will will come into that side and it will change. Regardless of injuries, it, it will just change because that's the way he works. And even though our squad's so thin, with no Botman and no Barnes and no Tenali and everyone, left, right and centre, no target... We still produce kids or old guys dusted down and brought out and they do a job. So the squad is defiant. I mean, I repeat it, one defeat in the last 11. And we haven't had every player available at any stage in those 11 games. We've never had a clean sheet of injuries or suspensions at any time, because who, who got Gordon got one match suspension during that um, this eleven match run. We've mm. never had a, a completely clean sheet of anybody available yet. We've lost one out of eleven. Amazing. And if you ask me what's going to happen on Saturday, because I can see you there, you're just about to. And um, I'll be quite happy if we make it only one defeat out of twelve. And even though um, my heart says we're going to beat Arsenal because. At the moment, we can walk on water. I think realistically, it'll be a draw. Well, you did. You read my mind there because that was going to be my last question for you. But we'll leave it there since that you've already given it. And Eddie, I've heard a rumour that he's a big fan of the Friday preview with Andrew and John Gibson. So if you're listening, Eddie, give Anthony Gordon a rest and start Joe Willett or Joe Linton on the left. But give Aaron, a... Aaron, I want the result of you, my friend. I want you to tell me what's going to happen. Oh, look, I, I'll try and keep my feet on the ground after after the elation of Wednesday. I think I think they'll give it a good go, and I think I tell you what, I'm going to get splinters and sit on the fence. I think it'll be one-one. I think it'll be a tight draw. That's, and look, that's not splinters. That's that's not sitting on the fence. It's a result, and it, yeah. it's you know, I mean, there's three possible results: win, lose, or draw, and you've just picked one of them. And yeah, it's the one I happen to think as well. Perfect. And I will tell you what, we'd take it. We would take that going into oh. Dortmund, where, as you say. It's a big, big game in the Champions League as well. Um, thank you to everyone who's been listening to this or watching it on YouTube. And John, thank you as ever for your input. Um, I will see you tomorrow at St James's Park for that clash with Arsenal. Uh, we'll be back across the weekend. Plenty of podcasts. Andrew Musgrove is back next week. Um, we'll have a very special live episode of the Monday show from Dortmund, as well as plenty of Arsenal reaction and uh, more preview stuff from Dortmund. Until then, thank you very much. Enjoy your weekend. I will speak to you very soon. Take care.